Welcome, listeners, to a special episode. This episode is dedicated to Lorraine Cresanto, my first El Grey Enforcer ever, and has my utmost gratitude. When I received my lady Lorraine's patronage, I was and still am, by the way, over the moon. I showed my pals and spread the word that I was amazed a lovely listener would support the show. You made my day and my week, and your donation continues to do so. I really, really appreciate it. And I just made an Earl Grey right now, and I'm drinking this tea in your honor, mate. Thank you, Lorraine Crisanto. Now, listeners, every Earl Grey Enforced episode is special, and I mean really special because I go out of my way to source new content, even more so than normal. This might mean completely new kinds of episodes, reaching out personally to authors, and doing research on things like, well, I'll keep that a surprise. <laughs> Either way, Earl Grey episodes are something to look forward to. Today's episode is all about Let's Not Meet Stories. For those of you who have never heard of Let's Not Meet Stories, these are creepy, horrible, and true experiences shared by people all over the world. Now, I've reached out to each of the authors here to make sure they're okay with me sharing their story. So, our first story by Obeki Imrad is a cautionary tale of accepting gifts from strangers. Our second is by Zangon595, where their trip to the woods this time could have been their last. The next story is shared by Anonymous, they wish to remain private and I respect that, shares a story of ongoing harassment, and I really mean ongoing. And lastly, Ginger, underscore, with three R's in case you're wondering, where a creep tries to lure a young lady in. Mates, this episode is jam-packed, and I hope you love it. Once again, thank you, Lorraine Crisanto. This episode is not for little ears, so please, any kiddos around, put some headphones on. There's a fair bit of swearing in this one. Now let's get to it. What if? I had drunk it. This happened a few months ago, in the McDonald's at Copenhagen Station. I am not Danish, only visiting the country for one day, and since I wanted to travel cheap, I decided to take the cheapest bus there, which just so happened to be the one arriving at 11pm the day before. I thought I could save even more money by not renting a bed somewhere and instead, spending the night awake or half asleep at the station. Do my business the next day, and sleep long and well on the bus back home. So this McDonald's is open 24-7. I pretty early discovered that the station was too cold for me to get some shut-eye. So I went inside and brought a coffee, and sat down at an empty table. Plenty of lighting, and semi-drunk people to keep me awake, I thought. I should add I am 23 and female. After some while of sitting in my spot, a strange guy walked over and placed a full cup of soda on my table. He said in Danish something I believe meant, I ate my food already, 
I didn't drink any. You should have it instead. I am Swedish, and although some Swedes understand Danish perfectly well, I have some difficulties doing so, so this is just a guess. Anyway, I didn't really pay attention to the cup after it was put on my table. Just wrote it off as a random drunk trying to flirt. But I noticed that in front of me, a table away, sat another guy. And he was watching me closely. Because he did lock eyes the time I looked up to peek at him. This creeped me out. I really didn't like being watched like this. And he just sat there for nearly an hour. Even though he had no food in front of him. In the end, this dude stood up and walked over to me. And I cursed internally. Shit. Thinking I'd have to defend myself and tell him to leave. But he turned. And there stood the guy that had left the soda cup on my table. He told the soda guy to leave. Take it and go. After pushing the soda cup back into his arms, and that he didn't want to see him anywhere near this place again. Then he turned to me and explained, in English, that soda guy had walked by my table several times, glancing at me and the cup, and probably waiting for me to drink it. He said he had finished his meal a while ago, and just stayed to watch over me, but had to leave and reminded me to be careful. I hadn't even noticed Soda Guy supposedly pacing by. I was too fixated on this other dude, who just happened to be the good guy watching over me. Who knows what was in that soda, and what would have happened should I have gotten really thirsty and drank some of it. So thank you, McDonald's Guy, for watching over me. And let's not meet, Soda Guy. I was hunted in the woods at night. Years ago, when I was still a teenager, my friend Justin and I would often go longboarding at night, as my friends and I were quite the night owls. We loved the freedom of almost never seeing another soul on the roads or the paths we frequented. Even when using main roads, it would be very rare to see a car out so late in such a rural area. And you could see and hear them coming from very far away due to the headlights and noise of the vehicle, disrupting the peace silence of the night. We were really into it at the time, and would often ride our boards for miles and miles, not arriving home till the sun was up. One particular night, we decided to ride a few miles away from our usual back roads to take one of our favourite hidden routes. It began with a narrow, paved path that was the only piece of land separating two sides of a long lake. It would often sink under due to rain, and we wanted to seize the opportunity to use it before it rained and went underwater again. It was roughly two miles long and was extremely relaxing to ride through due to the scenery. After making it to the end of the lake, we decided to continue moving and turning into a very closed path, into a densely wooded wilderness preservation. As we came up to the first hill, we looked down at the bottom into the blackness. We both noticed what appeared to be a tiny, moving ball of dim light down there. It moved so strangely, and it was extremely difficult to make out what it was. Rather than shine our flashlight down, 
we curiously watched it for a few moments, whispering to each other about what it could possibly be. All at once, that small light turned into multiple blinding lights and extremely loud revving sounds, overwhelming our senses that had become accustomed to the dark and silence. Acting purely on fear, we instantly turned around and ran as fast as we could, hearing yelling and revving gaining behind us. By sheer luck, we managed to run off path into a very dark, very overgrown hole in the side of a hill overlooking where we had just come from. We decided to hide in the natural dugout of this hill, hoping the plants and darkness would be enough to protect us from whatever was happening out there. We watched our pursuers right up to where we were standing. There were four men, two on four-wheelers and two on full-sized motorcycles. They were yelling at each other about something, but we couldn't make out what they were saying due to the distance we had covered. We felt safe enough to whisper very softly to each other and speculated who these people could be. Our first thought was that they might be park rangers of some kind. We had never seen one here in the many times we had been through, and honestly, we doubted that this county had the budget or even the desire to have anyone patrol the deep woods at night. Besides that, these men were on vehicles entirely inappropriate for the paved bike trails, and they were very angry about something. They called out to us for a while, yelling things like, We know you're out there! And, we can see you! Come on out! We stayed silent, and decided to call their bluff instead of running. Eventually, we clearly heard one of the men yell, Hey! Find them! Now! And smash a bottle. That had erased any hope that these were park rangers. We watched them split up, each of them going a different way down the series of paths on their vehicles, including the path we came from. It took us what felt like ages to even move. We were frozen in terror inside that dugout, watching the lights from the vehicles and paths. One of them already coming full circle and passing the point he started from. I thought about calling for help, but I was too afraid to open my phone in fear that even the smallest amount of light would give away our location. After waiting for the lights of the vehicle to reach their farthest distance yet, we finally summoned the nerve to get up and try to run somewhere far enough from these people to safely make a call. We ran as hard and fast as we could through the woods, since their headlights gave away their location on these paths. We would hide again whenever we felt they were getting too close. Our available hiding spots were getting progressively worse as the woods became less dense, and the fear I felt waiting for one of them to drive past us while basically only being covered in leaves and plants may still be unmatched to this day. Finally, we emerged from the woods onto the intersection of two main roads, far from where we started. We ducked down into the ditch to call for help. When I opened my phone, I noticed I had recent missed calls from one of our other friends, Connor, who we were supposed to meet up with after our longboard excursion. Hello, Connor? I called him and frantically asked where he was, 
Luck was with us again. He hadn't given up on our plans, despite us ignoring him, and was only a few miles away. Already heading in our direction, I gave him the names of the two streets we were near the corner of, and explained that we needed pickup right away. Come get us, Connor. He agreed to speed over to us while Justin and I waited in hiding. Thankfully, Connor arrived before any of those men did. We bolted into the back seat of his car, yelling for him to get out of there, and he took off. Relief doesn't begin to describe what I felt being safely driven home after everything I had just experienced. After explaining everything that happened to Connor, we ended up just moving on with our night and decided not to call the police. We figured they would be gone by the time any officer made it out there, and that we would only be putting ourselves at risk by admitting to breaking the law by taking those paths so late at night. I still have no idea what happened or who those people were. I've been told all kinds of theories from my friends and family that have heard this story. Some think we walked right up to a huge drug deal. Justin and I later admitted to each other that when the revving started and we couldn't see, our minds both went straight to chainsaw-wielding horror movie serial killer. So I suppose it could have been much worse. Frustratingly enough, whatever those men thought we saw that made them want to catch us so badly, we never actually saw. We'll never really know, I suppose. Stalk me over the course of several years. No thanks. Okay, so hi. I wrote here last month about the creepy guy on the bus who asked me if I had anyone waiting at home for me. Honestly, writing that out made me feel a lot better about the whole thing. So here, have another story. For some reason, I attract creepers, so there might actually be a good few of stories still to come. Trigger warning, harassment, bullying, pushing for suicide. Don't really know how to put that. And also a lot of swearing and emotional abuse, to be honest. So... Set the scene. I'm, what, 17 years old? Maybe older? Definitely under 20 at least. And on dating websites because why not? I meet a guy, Dave, who seems nice enough and we get to talking. Get on okay, start chatting on Skype and stuff like that. All is fine. We flirt a lot and end up doing various adult activities via Skype for a good few months until we decide to meet up. This is really where the let's not meet crap begins. This is so long because of my sheer hatred for this guy, by the way. Pretty sure half of this post is profanities. Also needed quite a few words to get across how much of a dick he was. So, I go and meet up with Dave and we go straight to his house. Which I know, I know is a bad idea, but whatever. I was on my period and at the time, didn't use tampons. I'm sorry, but... It's relevant. So I had a pad on. Couldn't see it or anything, but if you touched my butt, I guess you'd be able to feel it. I think you can see where this is going. Anyway, get to his place, chill for a bit. Nothing sexual happens because it's Shark Week. Not that he knows this yet. And then we start kissing. He squeezes my ass and sort of jumps back and asks me why I'm wearing a nappy. I explain everything to him and he starts making jokes about it, which irritates me, but... Not enough to stop making out for a while longer. 
until I feel him squeeze my butt again and laugh to himself. I pull away, stop all of that, and an awkward bit of time later he walks me to the bus stop. It was dark, Halloween, and there was a drunk guy there who said we looked like a cute couple. I almost puked in my mouth, to be honest. I got home and sought myself out Shark Week-wise, get into bed, text him goodnight, and hardly talk to him for a while, because he replies with jokes about nappies and babies. For you Americans, by the way, nappies are what we Brits call diapers. That should be the end of it, right? It was not. We go a while, barely talking. I can't remember any specifics from that time except we try and get back in touch via Skype, and he almost immediately makes things sexual after I explicitly have told him to not do that if he wanted a second chance. So I block his ass. He messages me on Facebook, chatting shit about how he's sorry. He has ADHD, undiagnosed by the way, but he relates strongly to it. Or some bullshit. Lol. Absolute idiot. We go back and forth a bit because I hate being disrespected and get angry easily, or did back then. And enjoyed arguing because I'm a piece of shit. Again, ends up with me telling him to fuck off, and him refusing, and me blocking him again. I also block him on the dating site we met on as well, as any other site I even see his face on. A year or so goes by, I get a message, and think. I recognize the picture, but am not sure, so I reply anyway to be polite. It's him. He apologizes and I argue with him again, telling him I really, truly, never want to hear from him again, and block him, again. He goes on to make several more accounts on that site to talk to me. Same goes for Facebook. I also run into him, well, he messages me, on plenty of fish and OkCupid websites. We argue a lot on OkCupid, to be honest, and it was getting creepy and awkward and weird, and I got super pissed off. I'd grown some balls and learned some big words by this point, so had a right go at him. As per usual, the chat ended with me basically telling him to piss off and that he's blocked, and then blocking him. I actually have screenshots of the OkCupid's conversations, as well as texts that soon will be mentioned. Things go quiet again, and then, after going to the cinema with my sister to see Batman vs Superman, he messages me on WhatsApp. I innocently start having a mild panic attack and have to use my inhaler, etc. It's at the point this guy triggers me so badly now. I hate his guts for making me feel that way. And I still feel that way when I see his pictures on dating sites. Fuck him. Anyway, it gets to the point where I'm still telling him to bugger off. I block him on WhatsApp pretty quick, and he resorts to texting and calling. Most of the texts are him telling me to pick up the phone. With the odd, you're, you're worthless, worthless, and kill, kill yourself. yourself, and the, the world, world would be, be better, better off without your, your psycho self, self thrown in. Charming. Really. Definitely winning me back over. Bear in mind it's been at least two years at this point. He's harassed me on and off for two goddamn years. Anyway, again, I excuse myself from my sister. We're in McDonald's at this point. It's a weeknight and quite quiet in the car park. 
and I step outside into the almost empty car park. I start screaming down the phone. I don't remember what I said. I don't even think about my words when I'm saying them. I just know I told him I'd report him for harassment and shit like that if he didn't fuck the hell off. I had to go outside three more times to just scream down the phone at him. At one point, I literally was just screaming. No words. Just pure pent-up anger at this dick for ruining what was meant to be a great night with my baby sister. This is already getting long, so I'll sort of taper off here. But basically, I blocked his number from texts and calls. He still managed to get voicemails heard though, the knob, and never heard from him again. I wish. Got messages from him several more times, both on the original app we met on and POF, but tended to block him right away after that. So Dave, the stalker guy, who I will not hesitate to report to the police next time, let's never fucking meet again. Also to add, I heard out this guy multiple times, too many times than I should have. His apologies were littered with sexism, homophobic comments, I'm bi, and insults, and him blaming it on ADHD which wasn't diagnosed and was used as an excuse to be a dick. I should have immediately blocked him at the times he messaged me after these apologies, but I had a couple of anger issues myself which have since been mostly sorted out. Hope that adds some clarity to why I was such an asshole towards him in the end. Creep tried to convince me to drive around with him. Here's some backstory. So this happened two years ago this summer. I was 16 turning 17 soon. At the time, I had a babysitting gig for the summer. A job at the local gym by my house and walked everywhere in my town, as I did not have my license yet. In general, it is a small, safe town in California. This day started off like normal. Me walking to the kids' house, the mum going over instructions for the day, etc. She liked having me do activities with the kids in town, like swimming, going to the park, just generally being active and not hanging around the house all day. Anyways, on this day, I took them on a long walk, and then we stopped at a subway for lunch around 1pm. As we were finishing, their mum texted me and said that she was done with work early and said I could meet her a few stores down at Starbucks. We walked down and I dropped the kids off with her ordered a drink and left around 2.30pm. I began walking to a park about three quarters of a mile to one mile away to meet with another mum that I was potentially going to babysit for as well. About a block down from Starbucks, there is a Safeway. Right, as I began passing Safeway's parking lot, a guy flung his door open and hopped out of his car parked above the sidewalk. This guy looked to be about late 20s, maybe even early 30s, Taller than me, about 5'11", 6 feet, and messy hair with a thick beard. He flagged me down and said, Hey, I'm new to town. Now, like I stated, this is normally a safe town. The kind you'd want to raise a family in or retire in. I didn't want to be rude, so I said, Oh, cool. No red flags were going off yet, as being a naive 16-year-old girl... I figured it would be safe to be friendly for a couple of seconds and keep going on my way, because of where I live. Then he abruptly asked, Since I'm new here, and don't know anyone yet, and you seem like a nice girl, 
You wanna hop in and show me around? Red flag number one. I quickly replied, Sorry, can't do that for you. I'm busy. I figured he would take the hint. He said, Oh, come on. I'm not a creep. I'm like 29. How old are you? 18? 19? And began looking around us and fidgeting with his hands and pockets. Red flag number two. No, I'm 17. Sorry. You can go find some people your own age down street over there. I lied about my age because I was getting nervous at this point and didn't want to give him my actual age. Also, I was really hoping he would take the hint when I pointed him in the direction of the bars down the street to find people his own age to talk to. He stuttered and said, Uh, actually, I'm 20. I was just kidding about being older. He laughed and looked around again. Come on, just get in the car. It'll be fun. I'm not that much older. His voice took on a more serious and persistent tone. Red flag number three. At this point, I felt really scared and just wanted to get away from him. So I quickly shook my head and began walking away. I looked behind me to see if he was following me, only to see him getting in his car. I felt relieved and thought pretty stupidly that he was going down that street. A girl, probably a couple of years older than me, caught up to me to check on me. She asked if I needed any help, and if I wanted to call the police. I said, thanks, but I think I shook him, so I'll be fine. I appreciated her looking out for me, but I did not feel that I was in any danger anymore. I still kicked myself for not calling the police when she offered. After passing a gas station, I saw his car come flying down the next street. He stopped in the middle of the crosswalk, blocking me from crossing. He rolled down his window and began harassing me. Hey girl, when are you turning 18, huh? When are you turning 18? Come on, we can have some fun, girl. We don't need to wait till you're 18. You can just come with me now and have some fun. You're a cute girl. Come on now, you have a nice body. He said all of this with an evil, sickening smirk. I was in full panic mode and didn't even think at this point. I ran around the front of his car into the street, then back onto the sidewalk on the other side and ran down the sidewalk. I looked behind me to see him speeding in the other direction. I slowed down again and called my mum. I told her everything that happened, and she insisted on picking me up and driving to my destination. I agreed. So when I'm at the stoplight, just under a quarter mile away from the park, I see him driving down the street again. He drove by me slowly, still wearing that sickening grin, and winking at me before speeding off again. I called my mum, freaking the hell out. So of course, after she picked me up, we called the police on the way to the park. The police officer pulled in around the same time as us in the park. So I got out of the car to go give my statement on what happened and give a description of the man and his car. He also asked if I managed to get a license plate number. Unfortunately, I only got the first few numbers slash letters, not the whole plate. He informed me and my mum that he would be going back to the station to file a report. Against the officer and my mum's suggestions, I stayed at the park. As I didn't want to make a bad impression on someone that I was potentially babysitting for. She arrived after my mum and the officer left. 
Immediately after the interview, I had my dad pick me up because there was no way I was walking home. The officer contacted us later that night, saying they got a potential match for the vehicle I described with the partial plate number I gave them. However, nothing ever came of it. Since the incident, I have been carrying self-defense items, alarms, pepper spray, etc. on my keychain. I never leave my house without something to protect myself. After I got my license, I haven't been walking around town that much, even if I'm with my friends or boyfriend. Which is sad, because it is a beautiful town. I'm now 18 years old, and I'm still haunted by what happened. Whenever I see a similar car or similar guy, I panic a little, even in the safety of my own car. To this day, I honestly don't know what I was thinking every time I thought he was gone for sure. I guess part of me was really just hoping he was gone. To whoever that creep asshole was, let's not meet. Yikes. Well, I've learned a lot from these stories, mates. Don't drink gifted cups from Maccas. Never break up a potential drug deal in the woods, even by accident. And the age gap between 20 and 30 is much harder to conceal than I previously thought. Jokes aside, the great thing about these stories is that all of them got away. And all of them are unhurt. The memories, though, linger. And I can't help but think that there are long-lasting effects to their experiences and life lessons learned. Lessons that we all get to learn from as well. To the authors of today's shared experiences, thank you so much for sharing these stories with us all. And I hope that if these experiences still haunt you, that this can be in some way cathartic for you. Best wishes to all of you, really. And thanks again. Now listeners, if you want to support the show just like today's Earl Grey Enforcer has, you can find me on Patreon at www.patreon forward slash sfgt. Dead simple. And just like Lorraine, you will help directly influence the show's output and every dollar goes back into the podcast, and I wouldn't have it any other way. No ads, ever, and all donations support the show. Just brilliant. Also, a huge thank you to my recent iTunes reviewer, who wrote, Awesome. <laughs> Started listening at the episode I Met the Rat King, and haven't stopped listening. Amazing podcast. Have been recommending it to all my friends. Mate, you legend. For some reason, I can't see your name on here, otherwise I'd give you a shout-out. But if you want to reach out to me and share your name with me, you can email me at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. Mates, have a kick-ass weekend. Stay damn awesome. And as always, till next, we meet.